ora. Welcome to the Coronavirus Podcast. My name's Tom. I've been working from home for the past seven weeks or so after dashing back from Sydney before the borders closed. I'm really excited for Level 2 um, for a host of reasons. Um, to be able to see the family in person, um, have friends around for dinner, uh, and hopefully to cut down on the screen time and on those Zoom calls. Looking forward to it. Kia ora, Tom. It's great to hear from you. Thanks for your message. And I'm sure a lot of other Kiwis also have similar plans too. Kia ora, I'm Indira Stewart. Welcome to the RNZ Coronavirus Podcast. Remember, we're not at level two just yet, but now we have a much better idea of what's actually going to be allowed. So, what are you looking forward to the most with the new rules? Let us know, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a message through our RNZ Vox Pop app. It's free to download, it's easy to use, and it's a really great, quick way of sending us your message. Later on, we take a look at how our neighbours across the Tasman are doing in their COVID-19 response. And our producer, William Ray, talks to epidemiologist Dr. Patricia Priest about the level two rules and what needs to happen before we get there. But first, the headlines. It's been another day of low cases. Just one new case was announced yesterday. The Director General of Health, Dr. Ashley Bloomfield, says that person is a household contact of someone who was infected through the Matamata cluster. The Waikato DHB is publicly calling for anyone in Matamata who is concerned that they may have been exposed to COVID-19, regardless of whether they were directly involved in the St Patrick's Day event that led to this cluster, uh, to immediately seek advice if they want to uh, look at getting tested. But the big news from yesterday's press conference was about Level 2. We're not expecting a decision on when we will be able to move to Level 2 until Monday next week, and the soonest it could go into effect would be on the night of Wednesday the 13th. But Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern gave a lot more detail on what life will actually look like under Level 2. And there are some big changes between 2 and 3. Level 2 has been designed to get as many people back to work as possible and the economy back up and running, but in the safest way possible. In a nutshell, the principle behind Level 2 is play it safe. So there'll be some pretty big differences when we get to Level 2, but first, let's take a look at what stays the same. All the border restrictions stay in place, so anyone arriving from overseas, and it's still only Kiwis at this stage, they'll go into mandatory isolation for 14 days. You'll still need to maintain two metres distance from others when you're out in public. And of course, it's still vitally important to keep good hygiene. If you are sick, please stay at home. If you have symptoms, even if it is just a runny nose, a sore throat, get a test. And now more than ever, wash your hands often and properly all of the time. Wash all high-touch surfaces regularly, like your keys and door handles, and don't pass other people your phone. Okay, so that's all staying the same, but here's what's different. Workers can come back into offices, bars, restaurants and cafes can reopen, public facilities like playgrounds and pools can open back up too. Schools, early childhood centres and universities can also bring back students into classes. 
You can travel around the country, you can go visit friends and family, but before you start thinking, this sounds just like what life was like before COVID-19, well, there are also a whole bunch of restrictions. First, let's look at workplaces. People who haven't been into their office spaces can return, but with good hygiene practices in place. But one thing to remember, COVID is still with us. The fewer people we can have contact trace in a workplace, if we need to, the better. So while you can go back, it is still worth the conversation with your boss, whether you have to be there in person. So if you're enjoying working from home, you've got a really good reason to stay right where you are. There are extra rules when it comes to businesses which have lots of contact with customers. For retail, that means physical distancing in store for both staff and customers, it means good hygiene practices and regular cleaning of surfaces and those things people touch often. Larger retailers and malls will follow the lead of our supermarket with measures like limiting the number of people in store to enable enough space for physical distancing. For hairdressers and beauticians, it means wearing appropriate PPE because of the close proximity you have with your customers throughout the day because we want to protect you and your clients. Hospitality is another area with special rules. Only those businesses that can apply the three S's will be able to operate. Firstly, people must be seated. That means you can only have as many people in your venue as you can safely seat. It is much easier to separate people, keeping them physically distanced and trace them if we make sure people are seated. This also helps to prevent the spread. Congested bars have already produced a massive cluster in New Zealand and we must avoid another. The second S, people must be separated. So there must be social distance and venue between people and tables. I acknowledge this may mean for some it is not economical to open, but that is up to each venue. Three, each table must have a single server. At every venue, there must be table service, not people going up to counters, as this minimises contact and helps us to trace if we need to. So the three S's again are seated, separated and single server. One other rule for hospitality is that no more than 100 people are allowed inside a venue at a time. Now that's a blanket rule for all of us actually. No gatherings of more than 100 people under any circumstances indoor or outdoor. So if you're planning for a big wedding or a house party, you'll need to save it till we get down to level one or perhaps even lower. The good news is that level two does mean we can leave our bubbles and travel anywhere we want domestically, but there are still some restrictions in place. A trip from Wellington to Napier to see your mum is fine. A trip from Wellington to Napier to go to a big conference with an open bar is not fine. That's why at level two, we will be allowing people to move around the country again, but to do it safely. Keep your distance on public transport and at airports. Manage your social distancing. Remember the same practices apply wherever you go in the country. When we get there, level two will mean more freedom, but also more responsibility. As Jacinda Ardern said, there is only one thing that would stop us from staying in level two. Outbreaks of cases. Um, you've seen what it's taken to get us down to where we are, um, but if we did have an outbreak, if we did see those cases ramping up, uh, then we would have to be prepared to move again. No one wants that, which is why it's about being vigilant, 
um, making sure that we're balancing the opening of the economy with not squandering the gains we've made. Um, but you will see us make a balanced decision. That's what we've done every time so far. In other news, the Finance Minister Grant Robertson has outlined the main aims of the 2020 budget. Now that'll be announced next Thursday. Speaking to the Wellington Chamber of Commerce, he described the budget this year as a staging post in the government's response to COVID-19. It is a budget delivered in the shadow of a one in 100 year shock to our society and our economy. The sweeping global health crisis has left almost every country in the world facing a devastating death toll, health systems under strain and economies that have all but ground to a halt with millions around the world losing their jobs and businesses. So it is far from business as usual. Grant Robertson says recovering from the economic impacts of COVID-19 and getting more people back to work is a big part of Budget 2020. Our recovery will continue with interventions to sustain households and businesses and get people working, in combination with sector-specific support to help boost wider economic confidence and regenerate some of the sectors hit hardest by the pandemic. We've already supported early hit industries like forestry, tourism and the media sector. Budget 2020 will carry on this work. Continuing our collaborative approach, the support packages for sectors are being designed in consultation with industry leadership. Support will naturally become more targeted as some industries and firms are able to survive and recover on the back of broader stimulus measures. Our response, of course, goes far beyond direct financial support. Making it easier for activity to get going again will speed the recovery and get the economy back on its feet faster. That's why we're making the regulatory and legislative changes necessary to help speed up the recovery through this period. But the Finance Minister says it's not necessarily just going back to the status quo. In the midst of the crisis and our desire to return to a sense of normality, we should all acknowledge that things weren't perfect before COVID-19 hit us. Too many children were growing up without the basics. Housing has been too expensive. Many of our waterways are still not swimmable. Our emissions have been rising. And people are working harder but don't feel that they're getting ahead. There are a few times in our lives when the clock is reset. Now is the time that we should address these long-term issues. It's a privilege that many countries won't have, and it's not one that we should squander. As someone said to me the other day, if your house were to burn down, you probably wouldn't build it back exactly the same. Budget 2020 gives us the chance to begin this rebuild. All of this means the country is going into debt. New Zealand did enter the pandemic in surplus, but Grant Robertson warns next week's Treasury numbers will be pretty sobering. I will not sugarcoat what the scale of these investments will mean. We will be running operating deficits for an extended period and allowing net core crown debt to increase to levels well beyond our previous targets. This is a necessary and responsible move as we fight the virus, reduce the impact on businesses and workers and rebuild our country. Now, even from the beginning, there's been a lot of debate about the New Zealand COVID-19 response compared to Australia's. Could New Zealand have achieved the same health result with fewer restrictions? After all, our friends across the Tasman, they've been legally allowed to go for a haircut and they've still flattened the curve. 
Well, I spoke to epidemiology professor Alan Cheng from Victoria's Monash University, who said, in reality, there are actually more similarities than differences. I think um, New Zealand probably locked down slightly earlier and slightly harder than um, we have, but uh, I think you know Australia and New Zealand have probably taken a fairly similar approach, um, um, at least compared to you know other countries which are being hit hard. Um, and I think that key has been to go hard and go early, as um, I think a lot of people have been saying. Both countries have a lot of advantages, so you know both being island nations and we can close our borders as opposed to Canada, for example, which tried to go fairly early, but um, having a big land border with the United States obviously makes it a bit more more difficult. I think uh, from the limited bit I've seen of sort of New Zealand um, policy is that um, they've communicated it very well. Um, so, you know, that's sort of the concept of having a bubble and, um, you know, not venturing outside your bubble and that sort of thing, I thought was quite good in terms of risk communication. I have to say that there were some, I think, conditions that, that New Zealanders over here were quite envious of <laughs> things like you know being able to go to the hair salon and the barber and what do you think of those conditions I mean still you guys have been able to flatten the curve fairly well considering those types of businesses have still been able to open yeah I, th I think there is a bit of a gap between sort of what um, is sort of said we can do and what is sort of financially viable so I think for example um, there's never been a sort of a absolute dictum that you can't open a shop but you can only sort of allow a certain number of people into you know in, into a shop and then that just makes it not financially viable for the shop to open so I think again what is said and what is done is sort of a little bit different and um, that makes it I think you know, it's obviously difficult for business and, and a lot of businesses are, have pretty thin margins, so any restriction would make it very difficult for them. In theory, can go to a barber, but they, you know, have to clean and do all sorts of things in between um, clients. So, um, again, it probably makes it a bit difficult for them to open. Our producer, William Ray, put that to our own epidemiologist, Dr Patricia Priest, here at Otago University and asked her for her thoughts on the new rules for Level 2. It really sounds as though in practice the differences weren't as great as we might imagine. I think in New Zealand we had uh, some very clear simple messages which I think is really useful when you're trying to get people to make such big changes to the way they live their lives. Um, whereas in Australia it's obviously much more complex with the federal structure and you know the central government and the state governments all having a role. So I think the messaging wasn't as clear there and obviously there were some more um, things that people were uh, allowed in quotes to do but I, from what he says and what I've heard from other people the way it actually worked in practice was not so different from us. So I think really we've, we've both done well and probably for similar reasons. And obviously the big news today is um, the details that the Prime Minister has given about what level two will look like. I mean, it, on the face of it, it seems like a much, much bigger change than the shift down from level four to level three. Yes, I agree. It really does. Uh, there, obviously, there are some things that stay much the same in terms of the distancing from people who you don't know. Um, and the, the usual messages that we've had the whole time about staying at home when you're sick and the more recent ones about getting tested if you have any symptoms whatsoever. But yes, there's going to be a lot of, a, a big shift, a much bigger shift than we've had 
up until now. I thought it was interesting that right at the end of that press conference, she said that they might go down in stages rather than going down all at once. If reducing risks means taking several steps into level two rather than one big one, that may be what happens. That stage shift comment was interesting. Does that make sense to you? I think it makes sense. There's, you know, when they brought out those le- the alert levels, um, it was very much designed to go up. So it was designed to move us from normal life to uh, lockdown. And I think coming back out again, there's no particular reason why we have to go from where we are, which is still you know, quite limited, to suddenly being able to gather in in actually quite large groups. So. I think there's some parts like that which maybe we could live with moving to a bit more slowly. One of the things I found interesting about that press conference is that the sort of real emphasis the Prime Minister put on hygiene, and obviously we've heard those messages again and again, but it was interesting to hear it sort of really pushed once again. And given we are moving to having a lot more contact with a lot more people, I guess that now becomes more important. I think once we're living more of a normal life, then retaining that focus on um, keeping things clean is going to you know, be important. Um, and I guess we, we're probably all keeping things relatively clean at home at the moment, and we're having to go back to thinking about uh, things in the office and surfaces that people touch and things that people touch um, needing to be kept clean. And I think that's um, sensible. Yeah, there was a mention there of high contact surfaces. I'm guessing these are things like, you know, handrails, elevator, buttons, all those kind of things? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I I um I had to go into town for something today and so I went to see if my favourite coffee shop was open yet and they, they were, so I was able to stand at the door and order a coffee and they had hand sanitizer to clean the F POS machine with um sort of before and after touching it so I think that's that's the kind of thing she's talking about and I think that's uh, again you know it's sensible for us to all get back into those habits of um, being aware of when we're potentially able to pick um, viruses up from surfaces. There's been a fair amount of commentary from epidemiologists concerned our tracking system still isn't quite up to scratch particularly with a lack of um, sort of digital tools. Do you share any of those concerns? We do need to have really good contact tracing and uh, testing uh, processes in place before we uh, can confidently go to level two. Um, in, in relation to the digital systems, I've seen very different assessments about how accurate some of these systems are. And I think it's really important. We want the best systems we can, and it's maybe a digital system will help the sort of personal calling people and talking to them about their contacts. I don't think, well, I know that a a digital system can never replace that because the the personal discussion is really important. With the the digital type technical solutions, we do have to be really careful that we don't use something that either dramatically over-identifies people or under-identifies people. It sounds really cool and it may well have something to offer, but um, I think it's important to be really careful to get that right so we don't just end up, you know, quarantining a whole lot of people who are actually not at risk, for example. So um, I think beefing up the, the p- personal contact tracing um, uh, resources is going to be the most effective. I mean, that tracking system 
is going to be one of the criteria which will presumably have to be met before that call is made to come down to level two. We're expecting that decision on Monday. I mean, what other criteria are going to have to be met? One of the things that they'll be looking at is um, you've probably heard that there's a lot of extra testing going on this week. So a couple of weeks ago, there was a bunch of testing done in um, supermarket car parks of people who didn't necessarily have symptoms to see whether there were any cases. And they didn't find any cases that time around. Over this week, there's been a lot more intensive testing in um, a range of different places. And they'll be looking at whether they find any unexpected cases there, because obviously if you find cases in places where you weren't expecting to find them, then you have to think about where they came from and what that means about whether we've really got this under control. So that will be one thing that they'll have to look at. And as you say, the contact tracing. And obviously the, the politicians have to take into account a whole lot of other things about the economic and other aspects of being in level three. But from a health point of view, I think those will be key as well as, you know, we've seen good case numbers over the last week. That was Dr. Patricia Priest talking to our producer, William Ray, about level two. Remember, we are still at level three New Zealand. So staying in our bubble, staying home, all of that still applies. Do take care of yourselves. That's all from us this episode. We'll be back with you next week. Kia painte mutunga o te wiki, kia haumaru, kia kaha. The Coronavirus Podcast is presented by me, Indira Stewart. It's produced by William Ray, Jesse Chang, Sonia Slime, and Katie Gossett. Our sound engineer is Adrian Holley, and the executive producer is Tim Watkin. You can subscribe to the Coronavirus Podcast anywhere. It's free. Just go to the podcast and series page at rnz.co.nz.